Hello, welcome to our Friday helping of You Are My Borough, our second this week. I'm Dom Sean. I'm joined by Scott Wilson, both of the Northern Echo. The plan was to take you behind the scenes in Swansea, and by behind the scenes, I mean in your travel lodge hotel. In my room. beautiful travel lodge, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the snow's put paid to those plans, as it so often does. It's, yes, everything's a bit up in the air, Dom. So we're filming this in the morning. The plan was to set off early today and drive down to Swansea because I've got to get back after the game tomorrow and it's a bit of a mission all in one day. Um, but obviously the snow came down, little and schools have got cancelled, work's up in the air, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, so the plan at the minute is probably set off for Swansea kind of mid-afternoon and have a slow down, drive down there late on and then I'm still down for the game tomorrow. So we will be down at Swansea at some stage, but... Uh, but not yet. I suspect it's going to be an interesting trek across the country with a bit of snow and some Friday traffic thrown in. And 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 I didn't tee you up on this to be to be the weatherman, but the, there's no suggestion that the games are going to be under threat this weekend, is there? This this is going to be no. easy by the, by the no, time. No, I don't threat. think so. I mean, um, by all accounts, Swansea actually had a reasonable bit of snow yesterday, so there, there was snow kind of lying around the ground. I saw some pictures last night, and um, I think they've had some more. Um, but like the rest of the country, I think it's meant to start kind of thawing out from about lunchtime today. Odd flurries maybe tonight and tomorrow. Um, but I mean, you know, the, the Premier League and Championship grounds now are kind of so good in terms of the undersoil heat and stuff like that, that in general, the problems only come if, it, if it's really snowing on a match day. And then you've got the issue of fans getting in, the surrounds of the grounds, all that kind of stuff. So, no, all, all the indications are that um, that it's going to be on a clearly worst-case scenario, as fans will know. And listen, I get paid to do this, so I'm really not, not complaining. Um, you know, there's one and a half thousand Borough fans meant to be at the game tomorrow, which is yet again remarkable for the opposite end of the country at this time of the year. Um, but, you know, worst-case scenario is you get down there the game's called off yeah. in the morning, isn't it? What's the worst you've ever had? Birmingham's the worst I've had. I've got to Birmingham before and, and I'm pulling into the car park and the game was called off. I think that was a Sunderland match. I, don't, I can't think. I don't think I've had any absolute shockers. Um, one of the lads, one of the, one of the lads about um, 10 or 15 years ago, Darlington were playing at Exeter and they oh. went all the way down to Exeter on a midweek for a Darlington game, and that was called off about two hours before. That's got to be about the worst, hasn't it? I, I wasn't there, but didn't Borough have one um, abandoned at Ipswich? Yes. In, in maybe Mowbray's era? Um, yes, I wasn't there for that either, but yes, they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and, and then there was the famous Leicester one. That Again, wasn't that. I wasn't yeah. that. That was unbelievable. Um, yeah, that was a really anyone who was at that game, um, that was a brutal, brutal drive down. Like the M1 was literally one lane and it was barely one lane. It took forever to get there. Coming off the M1 to the King Power, which should it's I don't know, two or three miles. That took about two hours. It was unbelievable. I genuinely thought I was going to be dumping my car. At every point, I thought the game was going to be called off. So I was constantly on the phone, like the press officer of Burr and everything. It was because it was Sky, wasn't it? That's the only yeah. reason. I'm sure the players, didn't the players have to jump off the coach from like half yeah. a mile away? Yeah, the players away. couldn't get in. Yeah, the players yeah. couldn't get in. They had to kind of walk the last bit through the snow. It was just ridiculous. And the problem is as well in that scenario, when you're covering the game, and I'm sure if fans were there as well, you've just always got in the back of your head, I've got to get home yet. Like yeah. the snow is still belting down. You think, well, this is how bad it was coming in. How am I going to get home? 
Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I was at that game. Yeah. That, 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 I, I absolutely maintain that game would never have got played if it wasn't live on the telly. Oh, Sky. Well, there's our, there's our weekly weather yeah, and topic. We could make that a weekly feature. Um, you were at Rockcliffe. You were at Rockcliffe yesterday, Scott. We're gonna we're gonna start with yes. the um, the West Ham stuff. Carrick was asked about the and and I guess it is it is it even speculation? I don't know whether it's that strong yet or whether it's just kind of whispers, really, as to yeah. you know if Moyes goes, then Carrick might yeah. be on West Ham's radar. But anyway, what what how how did Carrick's respond? Yeah, I mean, it, what did you make it's been bubbling along for the last two or three weeks, hasn't it? Mo <clears throat> Moyes is clearly a threat <laughs> West Ham. You know, fair enough, they won last night, didn't they, in the Conference League? So you suspect that might buy him a bit of time. They might actually win that competition looking at the teams that are in it. But anyway, regardless, he's under, he's, under, he's under a bit of pressure. Names start being bandying around. And I think it originally came from the kind of London end of things that the suggestion is that Carrick would be potentially one that they would be very interested in looking at if Moyes was to go. Um, now, in the last week or so, you've also had the Spurs situation bubbling along, obviously, with Conte. It doesn't look like he's staying. And, you know, there's been a little bit of there. So, you know... In these situations, the, the, the kind of question has to be asked. And obviously, at Borough, because of everything that, that happened with Chris Wilder, um, it's a bit of a political hot potato, isn't it? You know, how, how do these questions get answered? So the question was put to Mike. It was actually put... So the way that the press conferences work is there's a TV section kind of first. Um, and, and then the written guys or, or, or um, ladies come on the end of that. Um, and... It was asked in the TV section. He was kind of asked, look, you know, this is out there, speculation world around West Ham. And I, and, it, and, it, and I thought he handled it really, really well, obviously in a massive contrast to the way that things got badly out of hand under Chris Wilder. He basically said, um, he said, look, you know, yes, I'm flattered. Uh, I don't listen to these things, but I'm obviously aware of what's flying around. In fairness to Carrick, he's had this all his career, hasn't he? He's not he's not used to being linked with things that might be true, might not be true, whatever. So, you know, he kind of said all of that, but then he, he, you know, very strongly, pretty unequivocally said, but look, why on earth would I want to leave this? I'm here at Borough. I'm loving where I'm at. I'm completely focused on having the best end of the season we can possibly have, bring it on effectively. So, um, you know, what he's done is he's put it to bed, you know, until or unless David Moyes is sacked and there's a very, very strong indication that West Ham want to get permission from Borough to speak to him. Then clearly the question has to be asked again. But for the intervening period, that, that's been put to bed now. You know, yes, he, yes, he's aware of it. Obviously, he's flattered. You know, he's been linked with Premier League jobs six months into being a manager. That's fantastic for anybody. But he's massively committed to the job that he's got on at Borough. And I think that's just, you know, judging by the reaction on social media to the, to the piece I wrote off the back of it, I think that's what Borough fans wanted to hear because it's what they wanted to hear from Chris Wilder and, and they never got that, did they? Well, well, this is the thing. I, I don't I don't necessarily want to turn this into a, um, this this is what you should have done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wilder. But then equally, it's, it's, it's impossible to ignore those comparisons, isn't it? And I, yeah. I don't think, I don't, I, there's no Borough fan who, who expects Michael Carrick to say, um, you know, I'm here for life. This, this you know, I love this club. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. All fans are realistic. But but what you want is a bit of commitment and a bit of loyalty, don't you, back yeah. from your manager. Um, and, and there's a way to answer those questions, isn't there? Chris Wilder yeah. showed how not to do it. And I think Michael yeah. Carrick showed how you do do it. Do it. Which, which was the massive surprise with Chris Wilder because he's, you know, in some ways... 
it's a trap for a rookie manager to fall into, isn't it? You, you, you would have expected Carrick potentially to wrap himself up in knots in it because it's the first time he's had this kind of thing levelled at him as a manager. Chris Wilder's had this for 10 years, you know, through his throughout his managerial career. So that's what made it so staggering, again, without constantly raking over all ground. That's what made it so staggering with the, the Wilder thing that, that you know, he, he knew inside out how to answer that question fairly easily and put it in a box and he didn't and it was you know it was incredibly hard not to then draw the conclusion well the only reason that he doesn't want to put it in a box is because he is interested and he is looking to get away and and obviously that that then coloured the entire last two three months of Wilder's reign you know probably longer so um yeah so it, you know it's a question that had to be asked because it's out there I think the fans wanted it asking um and you know it, it, as far as I'm concerned like I say it's put to bed now. You know, he's made a really good job of, of, of answering it, of being honest, of, of, you know, showing his commitment to Borough. And that that's probably that now until or unless the situation at either West Ham or Spurs markedly changes, isn't it? And, and the thing is, well, you know, we're not, we're not representing Michael Carrick. We're not Michael Carrick's agents. But yeah. um, at any stage, when he comes to make the next stage in his career, it's, it's clearly going to be a, a, he has to make the right step, doesn't he? Um it's still very early doors, isn't it? He's still learning, and 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 he's still on on an absolute upward trajectory with Borough, wouldn't he? It, it, yeah. It's daft at this stage to to even consider jumping ship anywhere, wouldn't it? It would, it would. I I only slightly caveat that with you know managers. Michael Carrick's on an absolute. You know, he's he's everything's rosy in the world of Michael Carrick at the moment. It won't always be. You know, managers do have ups and downs when you kind of least expect them to. And so, you know, I, I don't, I would never necessarily kind of um, question a manager's desire to to look to better themselves. Now, as you say, it's a very, very early stage in Michael's career and, he, and he's in a great place for him to grow and evolve and learn. Um, but playing devil's advocate, if Borough weren't to get promoted this season and West Ham were still a Premier League club and were to throw a load of money at him and say, we want to invest, we want to do this, we want to do it, then that becomes a different question, doesn't it? But you're right, at the moment, 11 games out from the end of a season that could end in absolutely massive success, I agree, it would be absolute madness for Michael Carrick to think of jumping ship for anything at the minute because, you know, this is this is the perfect stage for him to A, grow and evolve, but B, just have a massive success at the start of his managerial career. Now, by the summer, like I say, depending on what happens with Borough, also depending on what happens with West Ham or Spurs, things might look a little bit different and there, there might be more of a decision to be made then. But yeah, if West Ham were to have sacked David Moyes last night because they got thrashed in Cyprus or whatever, I agree. I think it would have been madness for Michael Carrick to jump into that at this stage of the season, at this stage of his career. We, we we touched on Chris Wilder earlier, so let let's get to the point. Um, he's at Watford for now. Well, yeah, he was, he was when we started this this video. Uh, the, their third head coach of the season. Um, after yeah, it might have changed now. What are we? We're about fifteen yeah. minutes in, nearly. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Rob Edwards and Stavon Bilic, the the tenth, ninth. Sorry, looking at the table there, yeah. Um he was clearly desperate to get back into work, wasn't he? Um, he's, he started doing interviews. He started appearing on Five Live quite frequently. Um, it, I mean, a job at the top end of the championship is not to be sniffed at. But then 
it's Watford, isn't it? And and I look back to when Chris Wilder joined Borough and him talking about the journey and the long-term project and this and that. Well, all yeah, that goes out the window when you take charge at Watford, doesn't yeah. it? It's not that. I mean, what it is for him, I think, to a certain degree, is it's a free pass, really, because Watford are generally seen as a basket case in terms of the way that they just completely go through managers Um they haven't had a particularly great season in terms of what they would have wanted at the start of it. If Chris Wilder gets them into the playoffs, that'll do, won't it, really, in terms of where they're at now. If he Absolutely. fails to get them into the playoff, then he's got the, you know, he's got the get out of where they weren't in the playoffs when I got there. I tried my best. This squad needs a massive overhaul. If he gets sacked at whatever stage, well, he's just another manager that's got sacked by Watford. That's what they do. So I fully understand why he's taking it. And like I say, I think I think it is a bit of a shot to nothing for him because he either he either gets them into the playoffs and potentially gets them promoted, in which case it's a massive success, or he doesn't. And it's like, well, I'm the third manager this season. The other two couldn't do it. So there's something clearly wrong here. Um, I mean, what I would say with Watford is I think they've kind of been the template of how not to do it when you get relegated, really. And that it's, you know... You looked at Watford at the start of the season and you thought, OK, they've got Ismail Assar, they've got Jao Pedro, they're going to be the two best players in the championship. They'll run rings around people, they'll wipe the floor with them. Well, actually, they're probably the two types of players that you don't want when you get relegated, do you? Big earning, probably on 10 times what some of the other players in the dressing room are on. Think that they should be playing in the Champions League, never mind the Premier League. They're not going to be putting it in when their backs are to the wall. And that that feels with me what, what that Watford squad has been. It's it's a classic relegated squad that's got a few Premier League players who haven't been able to get away when they want to get away. A few players who weren't good enough and that's why they got relegated. And then some younger ones who have come in to try and flesh out the squad and it just hasn't hung together. So, you know, I... I don't, I don't see that Chris Wilder will have any kind of a magic wand that he can go in and wave and suddenly that squad's going to be transformed. That said, you know, they're not far off the playoffs, are they? It's not inconceivable that they get in there and then anything can happen. So for all of those reasons, I, I understand why he's taking it. I think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a decent chance for him because like I say, if it all goes horribly wrong, I don't necessarily think that'll be pinned on Chris Wilder. You do wonder whether they're, whether they're and, and I don't know whether they work like this at Watford, but whether they're regretting the early decision to get rid of Rob Edwards because he's done an excellent job at, at Luton since yeah. he's gotten there. The, the few things he's, he's, he's taken, I'd seen yesterday, uh, Wilder's taken Alan Neil and Matt Prestridge in with him, who were, who were his kind of um, right, his, yeah, room team lieutenants yeah. for a little while, haven't they? Um, they start at QPR on Saturday, which, which is a kind game. QPR in free fall, aren't they? Yeah. Even Gareth Ames with so far. Yeah. Um, and, and they are due to play Huddersfield Town, which... Um, I can't imagine they'll be sharing a red wine, Warnock and Wilder, after that one. <laughs> that will be an interesting one, won't it? Yeah, I think we all know from the Borough days that there's no love lost there, is there? Um, obviously, Watford don't play Borough, do they? They've already played them, unless it was to be in the playoffs. So we won't get Wilder back at the Riverside this season. But yeah, Wilder Warnock on the touchline will be interesting. It'll be like um, the McCarthy Keane handshake that I covered all the years back for Wool when Wolves played Sunderland. It was the first time they met. It'll be a kind of like this. Look at that way. Shake that way. Off you go. Yeah, you know for a fact both of those managers will already have eyes on that on that game, don't you? Yeah, for, for, for different reasons, because Warnock's yeah. obviously got a whole host of problems there at, at Huddersfield. Um, yeah. Swansea this weekend, then. Um, yes. Just 
going back to the press conference yesterday, first thing with, with Paddy McNair, what's the situation there? Do you, do yeah, you available? so it, it was a bit more positive than it had been in that Michael Carrick was saying he is backing in and around, but he is still going through the concussion protocols. Um, and obviously, you know, for very obvious reasons, they can't be rushed. So... I think I think he was hopeful that 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 um that there was a chance that he could be back in the squad this weekend. Um, but it certainly wasn't copper bottomed. And um I think I think today he's got certain things that he has to kind of get ticked and signed off. Um and, and then he can join back in. Now, from that, you would take the fact that he probably hasn't been in proper full training this week. Um, so that would suggest to me that even if he is in the squad, it, it will probably be on the bench. Um, there doesn't seem a real burning reason to drop Dale Fry for him if he's not really trained that much. So, um, so no, I, you know, obviously it's interesting because Ramsey did so well um, last weekend. You know, do you take him out? I, my gut reaction is that we'll go back to the kind of team that that's been for most of the time under Carrick, which would be Fours, Akpom, McGree, Archer, with Housen and Hackney behind them. That would be harsh on Ramsey, obviously, being left out after what he did last week. But you just wonder, away from home, um, you know, against the Swansea side who like to get the ball down and move it, um, I I would be surprised if it wasn't Fawz and McGree again. It's interesting, that, isn't it? Because if, if, if Borough were to play a playoff final, say, this coming weekend, say they get there at the end of the season, you you could already have a, have a real good crack at, and naming the team, couldn't you? Um, the only question marks it maybe be whether it's McNair and Fry, although I think yeah. we'd lean towards Fry. And the only other one, I think, is probably whether it'd be Force or Ramsey on the right side. Yeah. Now, a lot can change between now and the end of the season, but other than that, you, you can't see, you, you couldn't predict any other changes. That 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 has the feel of his team, doesn't it? It does. It does. Um, I mean, I guess in the next two months, is there a chance that Barlazer could come in and really stake a claim? Possibly. Although I think, you know, you, you, you would imagine that if push came to shove in a real must-win game, that Housen and Hackney would be his, his, um, his, you know, his default option and, and deservedly so, given the way they've been playing. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, the um, the fullbacks look nailed on. Lenahan looks nailed on. Like you say, Fry on McGree. Stefan's nailed on. Akpom's clearly nailed on. Archer's nailed on because there's not really an obvious option, you know, up there. Can't imagine that Crooks would displace him in a game that Borough really had to win. So, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it would, you know, the only, now, you know, three of them could get injured between now and then. So that's the caveat, obviously. But, yeah, if everyone's available, I think you're right. I think, that, you know, in terms of the first choice, I think the only options are the centre-half alongside Lenehan. And like you say, does Ramsey get in? And if so, Force or McGree drops out. Um, we, we we touched on Swansea earlier in the week, but we'll have a bit more of a detailed look at it now, given that given that we're at the back end of the week and it's here. Um, yeah, they'll they'll try and play against Borough, won't they? Do you, do you do you think that plays into Borough's hands? I think it does. I think it does in a, certainly in a, in an away game like this. Yeah, I mean, um, it's interesting because uh, it's only when I'd I kind of done a little bit of proper digging in it this week. I, I hadn't realised just how much pressure Russell Martin's under down there. Um, you know, they're talking about one, two games away from from the sack, really. So um, by all accounts, the mood is potentially going to be fairly mutinous in that ground tomorrow. So, you know, I think Borough clearly have to use that um to their favour. Yeah, you know, Swansea 
they've all, you know, since the Roberto Martinez days, really, they've always been a side who have looked to get the ball down, play neat passing. Um, and and you would imagine that, that, that because the crowd are kind of so ready to turn, they'll have to try and be on the front foot. They'll have to try and play to Burra. So you would like to think that will leave gaps in behind. And, and you know, if Burra can get the ball and look to break, there should be opportunities there. That That's the way that I would see the game panning out. Um, and then obviously if Burra can get on top and get the crowd turning, then it becomes a really difficult day for those Swansea players, you would hope. So that that I would think would be the, the kind of ploy going into it. Now, interestingly, Burra's record at Swansea is horrendous. They haven't won in the last seven. Um, I think uh, the last win, I think Tunchai scored one of the... It was 3-0 away win. I think Tunchai... So that's the kind of era we're talking about. Um this was put to Carrick yesterday, and in fairness, he gave the answer you'd kind of expect him to give, which is look, different teams, different. I was going to say that. Do you do you think that matters? I I mean I, I um a little bit. I think it does. I think there are certain grounds that, for whatever reason, teams just regularly underperform at. Now it might be because of the way that the opposition tends to set up. It might be it's difficult because. When you're covering clubs in the Premier League, so when Borough were in the Premier League or when I'm covering Newcastle in the Premier League, oh, they've got a dreadful record at the Etihad. Well, yeah, everybody has. Everybody but does. They never win at Stamford Bridge. Well, nobody wins at... You know, so that's a bit different, isn't it? But I think there are just sometimes little quirks. I know fans latch onto it. And and you're right, it should it should make absolutely no... Why should Cameron Archer give any kind of... Who's to how Burra got on at Liberty in 2005 years ago? Yeah, should make yeah. absolutely no difference to him whatsoever. I get that, but I don't know. I just it's a part of the football fan psyche, I think, isn't it? That it is there, it is there that there's certain places you go and you think, Oh god. Well, it's we, like we were mentioning it with Steve when we had Steve Crossman last week. Well, he, like those strikers who always score again, yeah. like and, and some of them, when you actually look at the record. Like they don't really, but it's just they might have yeah. scored like successive wins, and you suddenly yeah. you suddenly start to fear those. Well, that's it, and I mean, obviously, you know, Borough have played Swansea at various times when Swansea have been competing for the playoffs and have had really good teams. So, you know, uh, yeah, it is. It shouldn't mean anything, but I think as a football fan and us as football writers, it's there, isn't it? It is just there. Uh, um, when you say that, it, it shouldn't mean anything. Michael Carrick didn't seem too concerned about the fact he didn't win manager of the month. Vincent Company won it for the third month in a row. Yeah. Um, but I, I was surprised Akpom didn't win the player award. Again, I yeah. mean, you know, he's got bigger fish to fry, hasn't he? But He has, but I, I, I agree with that. I mean, yeah, he's so month. dominant and so good that it's kind of hard to quibble when Company keeps winning these awards because they are the best team in the league. You know, they, um, they, they haven't lost since God knows when. So, um, yeah, you know, I but but you're right. I mean, Akpom has been standing head and shoulders for me above anyone else in the league. Um, yeah, I keep coming back to this with the possible exception of Gokarez, who I do think is um, the best number nine in the league and is probably the, the player more than anyone else who is absolutely fundamentally integral to the team he's playing at who are actually yeah, doing Tony, quite Tony Mowbray described him as the championships early in Harlem. He did, yeah. He yeah. did. He did. Yeah. I mean, if you take him out with that Coventry team, they are diminished by 50% straight away. You know what I mean? I'm not sure there's too many more players in the championship 
that are that integral to a team. So I'd have him up there. But you're right. You know, what more can Akpom do? What more, what more does he have to do to um, to kind of win these awards? But then again, you, you know, I know they'll say that they don't. And I know that obviously company keeps on winning it. But you get the impression with the player one that they probably like to swap it around a bit and give different players and different clubs a bit of a look in. I think there probably is an element of that. They don't want the same player winning it month after month after month. We've got 24 minutes in and we haven't talked about Sheffield United, which I think is a record for us. So just that is a record. Before we wrap up, um, predictions this weekend for, for Swansea Borough and for Sheffield United. Yeah. It's the start of a big week, isn't it? It's a, it's a three-game week or, or three games in eight days. Because I know Mark Drury of BBC T's hates three-game week. Um, <laughs> um, it it. For, for Borough, it looks like an opportunity with two home games to come against Stoke and Preston, whereas Sheffield United play um, Sunderland. Oh, they're away to Sunderland. They've got yeah. Norwich um, next weekend. So it mm. could, the, the, it's seven points again now after their win at Reading, but things could change quite dramatically again in the next in the next eight days. Yeah, so there's a few. I mean, I think tonight's game is a big one, first up. Stoke-Blackburn, I think that's interesting because Stoke obviously absolutely annihilated Sunderland last weekend. And you know, are a dangerous team under Neil. They, they they underperform, but when they click, they click. So I think that is a difficult game for Black. If Blackburn go and win at Stoke tonight, I think that's a and obviously that would put them above Borough going into um, tomorrow's game. Then I think that will be a big statement from Blackburn to say, look, we're still in this top two battle. I think if they go and lose at Stoke tonight, then you'd say, okay, that's probably. That's probably them out of the top two race. But if they go and win that, then they're absolutely banging it. So that's the first thing. Um, then, yeah, Sheffield United, I mean, you know, they've, they've, they've had that wobble, haven't they? They obviously um, were well beaten by Borough, but they, they've, they're still seven points clear. That's still a pretty sizable gap. If they can come out of... If, if you offered them now, I would imagine four points from Luton and Ormond Sunderland away, they'd snap your hands off, wouldn't they? That would do them. And then, you know, worst case scenario, Borough win both the games, the gap's still five. Um, even three points would not really be a disaster for them because Borough would still have to do back-to-back wins to get the gap back to four. I think if you're in the situation where Sheffield United don't win either of those games, then that is a real issue for them. And, and Borough really would, hopefully have won their games and have massive momentum and the, the, the gap will be significantly reduced. So, yeah, I think, I think you know, what, what there's 11 left now, isn't there? So after these back-to-back games after midweek, we're down to nine. So if the, if the gap between the two sides was still seven points with nine games left, then that really is starting to get hard to see then. If, if Burrow can make any kind of a chink in it, a dent in it rather, then, um, then you know, that, that will be a good week's work for them, wouldn't it? We'll see what this weekend brings. Well, um, thanks again for following along and, and keep an eye on your podcast platforms because You Are My Borough should start dropping as podcasts where wherever you get your podcast from in the next week or so, fingers crossed. Um, yeah. But please remember to like along, uh, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel and then you'll get alerts and notifications of when we go live and, and when the new videos drop. And we'll be back early next week to hopefully reflect on another Borough win. Keep an eye, uh, keep an eye on the year one, M1, M42, <laughs> M5 traffic alerts as well, because I, I could definitely break the world record for the drive to Swansea today, I reckon. And, and but on a more serious note, 
safe travels to any of the Borough fans who are going down tomorrow because that really is a monumental effort, whether you're travelling down today or in the morning. Uh, good luck. I, I saw the buses were leaving at half six in the morning, I think. So, um, yeah, yeah, safe yeah, travels. Enjoy. Enjoy. Exactly. <laughs>